Pulp MX Network production. Thanks for all the support, Pulp MX fans. The Pulp MX app is now available for both iPhone and Android-based phones. For all your moto needs, shop at btosports.com and use the current discount code STEVE, S-T-E-V-E. And don't forget to click the Amazon banner on pulpmx.com when purchasing anything from Amazon. It's the Steve Mathis Show, brought to you by RacerX, presented by BTOsports.com. The original moto podcast featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast, Loretta Lynn's wrap-up. And uh, I'm your host, Steve Mathis. And with me on the phone is a guy who uh, finally sounds like he may have his voice back. Uh, Jason Wygant, what's up? Yeah, what's up, Steve? <laughs> he either smoked a lot of Marlboros or you were announcing all week at Loretta's. Well, I blew it because uh, I actually got through the week without losing my voice for the first time in years. Mm-hmm. And then on Saturday night, we ended up having this big blowout, and uh, that actually did more damage to my voice than the previous six days of announcing. So uh, I had it. I had it. The voice was going to be okay. Yeah. Um, now, I didn't go down, obviously, for people who are wondering, but you were there all week. Um, calling the action. No West Kane this year, though. No West Kane Mafia in the booth. Well, West Kane, a couple years ago, um, told me uh, it was in '09 or something. I told him how hard it was to get the gig to do the nationals, and I'm like, dude, you don't understand. Like, you might think that announcing these races, talent scouts are looking for you, but they really don't even know this is going on. They don't know who the live announcers are. I go, making that transition to TV is not easy. So he only heard that last thing. It must have been one of those. Somebody told him he couldn't do it, so it motivated him. <laughs> right. Those. Those. Uh, those people. The, the LeBron James. No one believed in us. Cut uh, the, whoever cut Michael Jordan from his high school team. Yeah. That that old story. Yeah. So when the Vanilla Ice Project got on TV like three years later, he he texted me. You said I couldn't do it, Weege, and I just proved you wrong. I made the transition, and then I had like twelve other people text me and say, "Looks like Wes Kane showed you up, huh?" So he must have texted everyone he knew, saying, "Get on Weege's case. He told me this, and look at me now." He told me I couldn't be a sidekick on a home improvement show that uh, stars an ex-rapper. He told me I that has do nothing it. to do with me. I just happened to be friends with the guy yeah. who they actually wanted on the show. Right, right, right. <laughs> but according to himself, he is integral part. When I saw him at the first Arena Cross, he still announced the Arena Cross series. When I saw him at the first Arena Cross a few months ago, he told me how like executives were helicoptering, somehow helicoptering from Manhattan to Miami. Never mentioned planes. Did helicoptered. Yeah just to get him on the set and get him more lines, and that's who they're looking at. So he happened to have to shoot the show this week, so his words were prophetic. He is now too big. At least this year, scheduling conflicts didn't allow him to announce, so he didn't have Wes Kane. And the thing is, I make fun of the guy a lot, but I actually like having him there. As an announcer, he's actually really good. Um, so well, some, of your, some of your stories about the battles between Johnny O'Hanna and Wes Kane in the announcer's booth were my favorite from Loretta's when you would come back. Well, they're the same exact guys. Like... You meet these guys, and you're like, this is the most unique human being on earth. And then you realize there's another guy that's exactly like him. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's impossible. But Ohana, Ohana was um, in charge of the flaggers. Mm-hmm. This is by far the most spectacular moment of the whole week. So he's on the infield, and everyone kind of knows, like, the industry is watching you when you're on that infield. Okay. Um, 
it's just different how the race works. Like the industry dudes gather on the infield and you're just kind of standing there. Like, I don't know where you even watch the nationals from, but I'm sure you're not just standing with your arms crossed and there's bones and Mitch and all the team managers just all standing there kind of watching, you know what I mean? Only at this race does it work like that. Right. So when you're in the infield, you know, you're on display. So in a 65 race, some kid goes down on the tabletop and Ohana busts out a full sprint. Like I was genuinely impressed with his speed. Like he's a pretty big dude. Mm Mm-hmm. But, I mean, yeah. it was full sprint. I was really impressed with the speed. He gets up there. <clears throat> yellow flags are out, so I guess he figures the track's going to be clear. He goes to pick the bike up, and another kid jumps it, and he gets nailed, like handlebars directly into the back of the kneecaps, and he gets flipped. <laughs> oh, has a big dude, complete black flip, and then we see him go off the side of this tabletop and then just down into a pile of, like, sand. But now we can't even see. There's just a scramble, and then medics run over, and Bones runs over there. And then about two minutes later, he just gets up. with his. He had a cowboy hat on the whole time. The cowboy hat, still on. Yeah. And then he walked, just walked back into position where he was before, shrugged it off. Um, wow. And then I think Bones saw that he was actually bleeding from the side of his head. <laughs> so Bones said, you, to Cotter, you got to get your guy checked out. So they, they took him out of there. But what we, the joke we had after all that happened was, Wes Kane called and said, that was supposed to be me. Everyone was watching him. That was supposed to be me out there taking that hit, and I would have taken it better than him. Everyone watches me and my Wes Kane Mafia jacket. And my wa- yeah, I was very upset that everyone was watching him and not me. That was supposed to be me oh, out there. I love, I love our sport, our industry, and, and you and me and Ping. Uh, there's, we, we get together and we look at these people and we go, what is going on here? What is happening with these people? I love it. It's what makes it all unique and in- interesting at the end of the day. They, they you know, it's it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, I mean, I, I had a, we were serious for a moment. Like, when we knew he was down and he could have seriously been hurt, right. obviously we weren't making fun of him then. But once he walked it off, um, then it was fair game, as yeah. usual. Yeah, as usual. Now, uh, uh, okay, so we gotta we got to tackle a lot of stories. i got a lot of questions for you. Um, RC made, made his comeback to racing and dominated like we thought, although Robbie Renard had a couple of moments of glory. Um, Zach, let's – you want to start with Zach Bell or Ricky Carmichael? What do you want to start with? Let's just get the Carmichael stuff going. Okay, let's let's, let's get the Carmichael yeah. thing going. First of all, I uh, got a few tweets about this, uh, some emails. I saw some stuff on the message boards. Uh, it's unfair for Ricky to come back. He shouldn't be allowed to do this. He's the greatest of all time. What's he doing? Cherry picking. And and really, in effect, he was cherry picking. From what I understand, he had huge leads, all three motos. He went one one one. But to me, I don't have a problem with the guy coming back. He wants to race. He's been retired for a long time. It's not like he just raced a national and goes straight to Loretta's. What's a guy supposed to do who still has competitive fire um, like he does? Of course, he should be allowed to race, and, uh, and too bad if the guys in his class uh, complain about it to me. It's, what do you want the guy to do, just sit at home the whole time? Wh- where, do you, where do you stand on this? What do you think about Loretta's itself allowing these ex-guys uh, ex to, to race? Well, I will mention first, uh, people aren't there might not know, but the 30 class, the, um, this all started, Emig, I think, was the guy that really started the trend. He came back in 2002, yeah. yep. and uh, he raced the 30-plus and the 250A Pro Sport. And to be honest, to me, it was more, he messed up the A-riders, like the aspiring 16-year-old star, more than the 30-plus guys. Like, you remember Brian Gray? What remember do you mean him? messed them up? Yeah, I remember Brian Gray, yeah. Well, Brian, it was Brian Gray one year, and the next year Fro came back, and I believe it was Hanny. Like, those were the two right. biggest names. And he beat them. Like, to me, I'm like, he kind of cost the next big, the, like, 
these guys are trying to get a pro deal and, you know, hey, I just won the A class at Loretta's, but yeah. instead I got beat by 31-year-old Jeff Emig. Like, I feel like that almost jacked them. Good point, right. More than the 30-year-old right. guys. Um, but Emig, I think, was like, well, I'm not going to dominate two age classes. I'll, I'll, put, I'll go up against the fastest guys to try to be as fair as I can. Yeah. Um, but now, Rich, but anyway, after Emig yeah. did that, they changed the 30-plus class to BC only. They do not have a 30-plus A class. Right. So they basically took right in the middle of the age groups and said no A-riders just to give somebody another chance. So they have made some changes to try to accommodate um, for starters. Mm-hmm. As far as the rest, this is actually not new. Like if you look through the – Keith Bowen won a title there. Mark Gary Bar- Bailey Mark won a title Barnett. there. Mark Barnett like, won uh, plus 30 uh, in yeah. 99 or whatever, 90, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, it goes on and on. So the only – and most of the guys that are battling for those titles are guys that you, like, respect and you think they're good, hardworking dudes, but they're not millionaires. You know, when it's Keith Johnson or Mike Treadwell right. or, um, you know, one of these years Barry Carson's going to ride it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think the I don't think anyone faults those guys. So like, it's more of a Ricky thing because he's got the millions of dollars and – is the greatest right, so where do you draw the line? Do you right. say that, you know, essentially he has the same credentials they did. He used to have a pro license. Right, he's been out of it four years he retired. or whatever, four years or something, or three years, is there even a rule? I think it's three, I think right. something like that. So yeah, he, um, there's no difference technically between Ricky Carmichael and Mike Treadwell. So unless you say that the rule is if you've ever won a, a national title, you're out, maybe, but that, then, that seems weird, too, because then, then you're right. Then where can, what do they do? Like they race locally, like what would you do um, to race? Like it would be stupid to say, well, he should have to come back and race an actual professional national. Like the guy is retired. Yeah, yeah. He shouldn't no. have to do that. So I don't know. Like in that did case, you, you're penalizing him for having done well in the past. Did you hear no sour grapes? Did you hear any sour grapes down at the ranch? Uh, I didn't personally, but Ricky was talking at the end of the week saying there was some hater. He did hear some haters out there. Like some of the people, some of his people in his crew heard some fans saying it was wrong. And he's like, I would have liked to have gone over there and ruined those guys and talked to them about it. Um, but, uh, but that's there. So apparently there were some haters somewhere. I didn't happen to hear them, but I can say this: when he raced, that was by far the largest crowd I've ever seen at Loretta's to watch a moto. Right. So you can't argue with for the purpose of the show and entertainment. Yeah. I know it's not a show; it's a race. But people were pumped, like the. Big moto, like next year will probably be since realized last year there. So that's going to get a lot of attention. A lot of people are going to watch his moto. But Carmichael goes beyond that because I'm sure next year there's going to be moms of kids in the 65 class. They don't care about since They don't even care about motocross. Mm-hmm. They're not going to go watch his motos. But Carmichael, like, transcends all. Like, I bet you every mom, daughter, uncle that has no interest in the sport at all still is like, whoa, this guy's the best rider ever, and he doesn't even race anymore, and I get to watch this. Right. It, it, I hate to say it, it looked like more fans on the infield than some of the Nationals I've seen. Pro Nationals. Like, right, it was right. crazy. Uh, people, people from our staff who work, like, sign-up that probably don't even know how many gears are in a dirt bike's transmission were, like, at the fence watching. Right, right. And, and he, um, he, did, he not, did he not qualify for the – he raced, tried to race Pro Stock, too, and didn't make it, or he pulled out of that? But – he, um, I mean, technically, I believe he just straight up didn't qualify. Um, although a lot of that's on him. What, what the fastest guys do is, the factory guys, they will enter two or three different regions. So if they have a bike problem yeah. at the regional. And I think he only entered one. 
It wasn't that he wasn't fast enough. I think he had a right. a crash or a bike problem, and he just didn't have a backup region to go to. He just did it all in one weekend. So he he, uh, he looked like he lost some weight too, uh, even more weight than he 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 had. He's impressive. His his lap times were good. Well, here's the thing. I honestly I thought it would be more impressive. I was a little underwhelmed. Now there were a few moments where you, re- you saw you him do stuff where you're like, if there's any industry people listening right now, they're going to probably beat you down at Southwick. Yeah, this week. Right. I would love to just say it was like a ghost riding out there, like it wasn't even a human being. It was some <laughs> other creature from another world, and I think that's the way everyone was. It was a chupacabra. Their rose-colored glasses. Right. There was a moment in the first moto. He started like eighth, and then they came out of the back section. He was in second, and it was like what. And uh, Casey Clark, who's a guy you might remember, he would, you know, he was around top 20 in the Nationals maybe five or ten years ago. He's from mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. He was in the lead. And he looked back, and it was like we were in the tower 100 feet away. But I swear you could see the pupils in his eyes. Like, <laughs> holy shit, this guy is going fast. <laughs> right, it, right. Carmichael closed in on him and passed him. I've never seen – dude's getting lapped. I've never seen a speed differential like that. <laughs> And he came in in his sweeper, and it was like, is he going to get on the brakes or what? And right. he just destroyed this corner. Like, I swear he didn't get on the brakes. Do that section, it looked like he was 10 miles an hour faster than I've ever seen anyone go through there. The lap times themselves weren't that impressive, and yeah. even the leads uh-huh. in his motos weren't that massive. Like, right. Zach Bell won his motos by bigger margins. Yeah. But I think that comes down to conditioning, and I don't know about the losing weight thing. Like, Ricky pretty much admitted that. He wasn't in the best shape, and he said four laps to go on most of the motos. He was really starting to get frustrated because it just wasn't happening the way that he used was used to it right, right, happening. Right. It, 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 it pretty much looked like he was, let's put it this way, the guys he's racing in that class, 25-plus, you're still pretty young. Yeah. I bet you most of the guys in there are still riding every weekend, chasing contingency money. Yeah. And he almost literally came off the couch. Like, I talked to him three weeks ago, and he said it's time to start ramping it up. Right, right. Three weeks ago, so it wasn't. He wasn't winning by a minute. He wasn't lapping the field. Yeah. There were a few moments here and there, though, that were like, if he wanted to, and he really put a hundred percent into this, it would be a joke. Uh, the the uh, the the amount of people in the industry that turned into rubber legs around him is pretty amazing, and I could only imagine this week what it was like. I mean, this is a guy when he used to ride practice. He used to ride five laps before the opening before for opening ceremonies. And he would ride five laps at the end of the day. Why can't back me up on this? We would hear legit people in the industry say he could still podium. He could still podium. And this was when he would, you know, not in ideal shape. The love for him is, oh, yeah, is, yeah, is, yeah. is very yeah. strong. So I can imagine what it was like down on the ranch. Just people freaking. I mean, did you hear podium speed? Did you hear he could win a national? Did you hear any of that? No, I didn't hear it this okay. time, but I, th- right. I was probably just in the wrong conversation. To be honest, I was trying to avoid that. I mean, to me, I have no problems with the, guys, the guy coming back and racing. I think it's fine. I think right. it's cool for the event. But that wasn't, to me, that's not the focus down there. That's not the biggest story. Like, I wanted to find more about what's Zach Bell's deal, yeah. what's Jeremy Martin's deal, what's Adam Cincerillo's deal. I kind of stayed out of those groups, but I guarantee you, oh, I can imagine. there was a long line of Carmichael ass-kissers there, and I'm sure that they were just blowing smoke in every direction they could. I'm uh, sure. And, and honestly, I feel almost bad for the guy because I bet you he probably wants to just chill out sometimes and not have people just keep <laughs> right. telling him how awesome he is on a dirt bike. And right. I don't know if he can get away with, get away from it. Uh, who knows? It's, it's, it's bad. Uh, my Pulpamex show co-host, uh, he was down there. 
Um, oh, yeah. And uh, I'll ask him. Uh, I'm sure that out of his mouth, he will be – he could top five. He could top five. Yeah, I guarantee you people were sitting around his motorhome just telling him how awesome he was. And that's not Ricky asking for it. It's just what happens. It's what happens. It's just, um, you know, just – that people figure, you know – I want to be attached to this dude, and probably the best way to do it is I'll just suck up to him. That'll probably make him like me, right? Yeah, maybe. So maybe. I just try to stay out of that fray. Like, I saw him. I said, what's up? We did our podium interviews. Yeah. You know, I asked him a few questions. Do you know you need anything? There was some controversy because he rode a number four, and technically the rules at Loretta's is that you you run a single digit if you finished in the top ten last year. Right. You know, so I did ask how did that work. And um, he actually, I think, either paid or gave. The guy that finished fourth last year, he actually made a deal with him. You know, so I asked him a few things like that, or right. what was your deal with your bike and stuff. But uh, um, oh, that was a controversy too, where people kept thinking he was on a full works bike, and do we have a claiming rule, stuff like that. Yeah, but he, he didn't look like he was to me. It looked like he was just on a production-ish bike. No, no, because they apparently there really is the claiming rule. So yeah, yeah, no, no works bike. But let me tell you, this is the way rumors ripple throughout. Right. I mean, it's bad on a normal weekend, but yeah. imagine people locked down on a campground for a week. Yeah. The story I heard was. This is a pretty good one. The reason that, well, we all know there's a chance that Carmichael's going to have a team next year. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's official yet, right. but I'm sure you mentioned it on your show. The reason why is because when Stewart signed with Suzuki, the budget they had to build Carmichael a works bike for Loretta's then had to go into Stewart's national bike, and Ricky got so mad that he's like, well, damn it, then I'm going to start my own team. That was the stories that I heard down there. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly it. His he took my Loretta's works bike. Like, yeah. okay, right. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah. But now I saw a photo for a few laps. The Wonder Child, Robbie oh. Renard, had the lead. He passed him. Did he pass? He Rick? passed him. Passed Ricky. He passed him. Just yeah, like Unadilla, ninety-eight. Yes. Except for one thing, which is Renard going on to win. Uh, yeah. uh, that didn't happen, but for a brief moment of glory, it looked like things were set up for for a hell of a race, huh? It's all everybody wanted all week. Like it's kind of weird when you're pumped on a guy like Karma coming there, and like I said, the place was packed. But it's like you're packed knowing that the race is going to be a dud. Right, you know, right? Like, you're excited about the fact that he's going to crush everyone, and how badly will he crush everyone? Which really right. isn't. It's like the opposite of what you normally root for. Uh huh. So I think by the end, people are like, man, it would be cool to get it. And they're like, well, I guess Rainer would be the only legitimate guy mm-hmm. that could do it. And then, yeah, you start thinking about he's done it before. They have battled a few times. And then it's like with that, all that nostalgia just running through your head, lo and behold, it actually happens. Because um, Rainer's getting crap starts all week, shocker, and he even made fun of himself for that. Um, but to see those two races like that, like Carmack get the starts, Rainer not, Rainer turn in a few crazy laps, but then, you know, get tired or get arm pump or have problems. You're like, how is it that this many years have passed? <laughs> it's, it's the same. same. Thing. Nothing has changed. This could be 98, 2008, 78. It doesn't matter. <laughs> same thing. Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, Rainer passed him. Now, here's the thing. Carmichael, he knows how to play the game. I, <clears throat> you know, he didn't become popular just by winning races. He was hated when he won races, and he was loved when he won races. You know, he figured out how to get the public persona right. You know, we've, we've yeah. heard him get booed and cheered. The results were the same. Right. So, you know, on the podium, he made sure he gave Robbie huge credit. He's like, that guy is like Wyndham. He's always been able to turn a lap. You know, and he's on and he gets his lines. He's unbelievable. But I still, I, I just could tell that I knew somewhere later in that day 
Carmichael's going to be back at his motorhome, pissed off about that happening. A race that means nothing, that he said means nothing. He was either going to be mad about the bike or himself. Like, it's, you just know with this guy that it's always there. Like, he's a competitive SOB, and I'm sure he said it was fun to race at Raynard, but I guarantee you he was mad that he got passed. Yeah, probably. And, and and how long did he leave for? How long did Robbie read for? I think it was two laps. He passed him at, like at the beginning of the second lap, and then okay. it was like up to lap four. Yeah, yeah. Um, the place was going nuts. Was it? Like yeah, when he passed yeah. him, the place went right. crazy. Um, and and Robbie won the plus thirty five. Yeah, and yeah. there he was luckily able to overcome just starting eighteenth. <laughs> and uh, he had a head cold. He was sick coming in. I mean, it's like, oh god, this poor guy. Did you happen to see his phone? No, why? Uh, I gave him a Pulp MX rock form case a couple oh, weeks ago. Really? And, oh, really? Uh, I just wanted to know if I – so, in, in a way, Pulp MX maybe won a title at Loretta's. Yeah. Um, wow. And, and so, briefly, let's uh, – so, we saw that. Dubok won plus 40 again. Dude, he's 49, and he won plus 40. That's ridiculous. Wow. I didn't know he's at 49, huh? Yeah, so I said that um, on Monday at 9.30 at the NYC Stock Exchange opening bell – Yamaha will be selling stock in Dubok in the 50-plus class next year. Yeah, yeah. You if think. you win 40 at 49, the 50-year-old guys are dead. Yeah, Just hand them the trophy. And 50 was Semex, Gary Semex, who came back after a long time away. I didn't even know Gary was still uh, racing. No. Uh, and he's 58, and he won the 50-plus class. Oh, wow. Um, uh, so that was pretty cool to have those guys. And, hey, you'd like this. Dubok and Treadwell, they came into the last moto tied, and they battled right down to the last corner. Like, it was awesome. Oh, wow, cool. And yeah. then Dubok said it reminded him of some battles in the 2000 Canadian Nationals that he and Treddy had. Oh, nice. Yes, nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, so Treadwell was close. Treadwell was on, on a level of, du- of the doctor. Yeah, this was the best I'd seen Treadwell there. The funny thing about those classes, those age classes, you never know. Like, half the years... The guys are super committed and they're trained, and other yeah. years they're just barely getting in, right. barely getting any riding. So clearly this year Treadwell was on it. I mean, he looked yeah. like he was in better shape and he rode better, but he was six years younger. He was a young 43. <laughs> what, so we have that on the side. Uh, no Keith Johnson? Something must have happened. I, he, he was at the regional and he must he got hurt. The tread, uh, but we did ask Treadwell he yeah. said he got hurt. So uh, that, that could have changed um, yeah. um, everything. Travis Parker also came out, but... Didn't have results. He got hurt or something. He got third in a moto behind Dubok, and in the next moto he was right up front. And yeah. the first lap he, I guess, hurt his leg. We just saw him holding his leg, and he pulled off. We never wow. saw him again. Um, see, to me, um, some of the some of the aspects of amateur racing, as you know, I again, uh, really stick in my craw. Um, mm-hmm. But the vet classes, I would be into the vet classes. I would really enjoy watching those guys. Uh, Champus Parker, two-time world champion. Doctor Dubok course one of the nicest guys out there um let me guess he was on a yamaha wearing o'neill gear with scott goggles and dunlop tires dr d exhaust yeah dr d exhaust okay um yeah no uh, that's what i mean so if you want to that's what i'm saying if you feel like guys that used to be pros or factory riders ever shouldn't be there i mean that is one of the cool parts of the event i agree now when carmichael comes in it does kind of upset the formula a little bit but I don't think you'll ever hear someone say Mike Treadwell shouldn't be allowed to race Loretta's because right. he used to be a pro. Like, he's a workaday guy. And what about what about Tim Ferry? And, you know, he, he rode the area, and he didn't choose to race the regional. But where does he – does he – he's on the limit of that, of that? Will it be griping if he shows up? I bet – I mean, honestly, or, what's the difference? I mean, if you have a problem with Carmichael doing it, you know, for that particular circumstance, he and right. Ferry are equal, wouldn't they be? Well, I mean, they're equal in every way. Sorry. Sorry. Thank you. 
Thank you very much. Sorry. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think it's cool. I think it's awesome. And, um, yes, you know, the guy from Washington State, who's pretty good rider, stands no chance of beating Carmichael or, or Ferry or, or Dr. D. But are you showing up at the Amateur Nationals, like, if you're, if you're over 30 or over 40, are you showing up there and the, the title, thinking the title is going to get you fame and fortune? Then you're a little, you're a little effed in the head, no? Right, like that's yeah. And I'm going to throw this one out there. Um, When the the all the class that Loretta is the only difference is in the younger classes, the riders that win haven't had that level of success yet. But you're basically racing them. Still, I mean, if you're racing in Adam Cincerullo's class, you're basically racing against Carmichael. Right, right, yeah. The only difference is he hasn't had a factory ride and won titles yet, but he's on the same. You're you have the same horrible odds of beating him. (laughs) Right. Um, I just think that if you're upset and you're in the class. You're there for the wrong reasons. You know what I mean? That's what kind of I think. Like, yeah. Especially if you're older. It's like, yeah, of course you want to win and do the best you can do. Um, but winning isn't going to change anything in your life. You're still going back to your plumbing job on Monday. I don't think that a lot of the complaints actually come from the right. riders. Like, I know a lot of guys of that age that I'm friends with where their goal has always been to qualify. Right. And they did. And they're like, hey, I was battling for 30th, and it was an awesome battle because yeah. everybody's fast, and it was so yeah. fun. And you know, that's the majority of the guys in that class. To say they race Loretta's, or maybe it's the thing they do every year. Right. Um, I think the complaints mostly come from the outside. Because, yeah, even if it's not Carmichael, then it's Treadwell, and it's Dubach, yeah. or it's Rainer, like, or it's Keith Bowen or Mark Barnett. Like, you're, yeah. the work-a-day guy's never going to win that class, no matter what. Um, I didn't like the, the number four. I didn't like that. Uh, that's a little bit of favoritism. No one else could do that, but I'll, I'll, I'll overlook that. That That's something I didn't like, but that's okay. That is why I asked them, because right. I thought right. it was just completely didn't break the rules. Now, I don't know if it's technically the guy who had number four's position to allow him to do it, but he did. Let's see know. someone else show up and try to get their number, even with even by going up there with the guy and saying, hey, this guy here agrees right. to give me his number. You know, I give him a six-pack of, of Coors Light. Uh there's Probably, no not gonna work. Probably not going to work, but no. that's okay. Whatever. Um, yeah. So would so the question is, and I think I, I think I saw the answer to this. Carmichael's times not as fast as would you say Zach Bell won the he won the A classes or the B classes? Who who was the fastest? Uh, Bell guy? won the A classes. He the fastest time of anyone. I was surprised was actually a rider from the B class. Um, but it's just you know the, the, the yeah. track changes a lot right, throughout right. the day. Right, but the course. thing about Bell was, I think out of like the 50 fastest laps, yeah. like 25 of them were his. Like every lap he okay, had so was as fast as anyone else's best. He's the rising star of the week, Zach Bell. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the only caveat to that is there was supposed to be a real big shootout between he and Jeremy Martin, and Martin got hurt. So Yeah, that wh- was, this was a surprise. He, when did this happen? What, what, what was the deal? Do you know anything more about it? Yeah, Bobby Regan was down there. Uh, he said it happened like 10 days before it. It's funny, we actually interviewed Alex Martin, is his brother, for Racer X a couple days before. Right. And we were going to ask him about his brother, and he's like, on the down low, he's hurt, and he probably won't be able to go, but don't say anything oh, yet. Oh, I didn't so even I know that. Knew. Oh, I thought we did ask him in that interview about, about his brother. That's funny, because we said, no one, no, we didn't ask about his brother? I think we asked him about, you know, once he's pro, you'll be racing against him. Uh, but I don't okay. think we, right. I think we left the Loretta's part out, because he wasn't sure at the time. Okay. So, there's no doubt that Bell was the fastest guy there. He was the most outstanding guy there. Yeah. He won the Horizon Award. No one could argue that. But right. his primary competition um, wasn't there. So there's, I guess, one caveat. But, dude, right. he still hauls ass. I'm not taking anything away from him. Yeah, and he's going right to Southwick this weekend, right? 
Yeah, well, Martin was supposed to as well. The shoulder injury, Regan said, wasn't that bad. So there's a chance he he could still race also, but wow. we'll see. There's why, not much to gain. You, yeah, why would you want to pull the kid into Southwick with a bad shoulder first pro race? That doesn't seem right, very right. smart. But then again, look what we're talking about. Ooh. Well, Ooh. Um, a rider named um, Kyle Peters was there hanging out. Um, so mm-hmm. we brought him to the announcer's tower, and I yeah. talked to him like, hey, have you seen any of the articles Mathis has written about you on Racer X? No, man. Where he put together stats about why you should still be on the team and why they should give you another chance. No, I didn't know about any of that. <laughs> wow. Sorry. Sorry. I mean, no. Sorry, I mean, I, I don't I don't expect him to read it. These guys are racers, oh. but um, oh. um, I'm just saying. He said he's not signed for them next year, but he hasn't been told that he's not. Right. Like, there's a, but, the, but that's what we're saying with that team. Like, they yeah. should just be like – you got two years with us, no matter what. Yeah, kid, we're 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 in your boat for two years. Show us what you got. Um, and yep. and my stats back it up. The Rockstar Suzuki yeah. team made an incredible move with Jason Anderson, where they just really just benched him, sent him home. Yep. And yep. Uh, no drug problem, no crystal meth problem, nothing like that. Just sent him home. Yeah. And uh, and it's worked out great. So. Um, and, and I still wonder if that's part of the reason that he stayed with the team, even when his stock went up, and guys like Mitch were. Sniffing around, right? Maybe, know? yeah. He appreciated he appreciated that loyalty. Could be. Uh, I would ask him, but I'm afraid to jinx him. I don't want to talk to him. Um, Me too. So, okay. So Zach Bell uh, will be a top 15, top 10 guy, without a doubt, uh, the rest of the season. Probably just adding further adding to Geico team's uh, embarrassment of fast riders over there. Wh- who was the second most impressive guy? Would you say? Well, the way it works down there is actually the, the B classes, um, and this is not unique. Again, this is not actually anything new. The B classes are usually more stacked than the A classes, and right. they were. Yep. Um, that's where Cooper Webb is, and that's um, Matt Bachelia, who is also part of the Geico team. He's like next year's guy. Okay. Um, he was there. They had awesome motos, and um, there were so many other uh, big names in there. And traditionally, the B class, when Tomac and Barsha were there, they had the fastest lap times of anyone. They were faster than the A riders when they were B. Right. So that's why the next year they didn't even bother racing Loretta's. They just went straight to Hangtown. Mm-hmm. So that's often the level you're dealing with. Like these guys would pretty much be ready to be pro next year. They may or may not. Like I think Webb may, right, may race Hangtown next year and skip Loretta's, for example. Yeah. He's with Star Racing. So it's, it sounds but, weird to say that the next set of impressive guys were in a totally different class, but, but why, that's kind of normal. Why do you think Bell raced A, then what happened? Just a normal progression of things? They're just keeping him behind one year for whatever reason? You mean Webb? No, Bell. Webb. He raced A class. So, if every, yeah. traditionally the B class is where it, where it is and where it's at. No, most of the years it's A. Most oh. of the years it's A. Okay. There's just a handful of guys that obviously are so good so early okay. that they can't. it's like the system can't even advance them quickly <laughs> enough. Okay. <laughs> um, so B like, you know, seeing Cirillo yeah. technically could race B all year next year. It would be a joke for him to race the B class, but he could. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's that time again. Time for a commercial. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast show. Listen to these commercials from BTOsports.com. Use the code Steve and JT Racing. Thank you, JT Racing, for coming on board. Listen to these commercials, support the sponsors, and, yeah, then we'll get back to the show. Thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com podcast show. Please don't forget that BTO is the world leader in aftermarket motocross parts for the bike or body. You'll find deals like a Shoei VFXW helmet for $309.99, 45% off, or Smith Piston goggles for $32.99, 65% off. 
Your order can be shipped anywhere in the USA for free. Or if you're not in the USA, we ship worldwide. Check it out at btosports.com. JT Racing USA is back to reestablish its deep roots in the motocross industry with an all-new, innovative line of racewear and casual wear. While bringing many of JT's strongest design elements from its golden years back to life, the racewear is constructed with the highest grade material on the market and has a technological fit, feel, and function that is sure to raise the bar in how motocross gear is being built. JT has relaunched itself back into motocross with the Pro Tour jersey, classic pants, lifeline, and flex field gloves in eight colorways with an assortment of men's and women's casual wear to add to its collection. By redefining the meaning of airflow, JT has incorporated its airline system technology into this collection and have launched their all-new ALS2 helmet in seven colorways to complete the rebirth of the brand. The wait is over. Okay, so how... So who, who was the the B class guy? What what's your thoughts on that class? Um, guess what team he rides for? It's Bashalia, who's on the Geico team. Yeah. Um, he had he, web. He, he had web covered. They had some battles. I mean, yeah. they were incredible battles. But he 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 beat him both times. Now Webb, unfortunately, kind of either he I don't get it. He either didn't see the two lap board or the white <laughs> flag in two different motos. Okay. Um. So the guy either really messed it up, but I find it it seems weird to me because we have the same guy, Tony Morris, has been doing that, the start and the flags, for as long as I've been going there, 99 motos a week. I never hear of a problem. Right. So I'm kind of confused that that happened, but maybe it did. But even at the time, you know, Webb was behind him, and maybe he would have put in a last-ditch effort in the last lap, but he wasn't ahead of him. Right, okay. Um, Shaley was the, the best guy in the B class. He won his two titles and – he looks exactly like Kevin Windham. You talk to him, it sounds like Kevin Windham, and he's on the same team. It is bizarre. Is he so from guys, down there? Point. He's from Louisiana? Well, he's from Texas, oh, so Texas. close enough. Okay, yeah. You know how like Houston right. is practically Windham's home race? Right. So um, if you, you get bonus points if you look and act like Kevin Windham on the podium. <laughs> right. Never a bad thing. No, no, it's not. You're right. No. So um, those two guys are – but Basaglia, you say, is going to stay another year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they'll do the same thing. I bet right. you he'll race A next year, and then he'll well, race you know, I mean, Southwick next year. You look at it, the, the, the Geico team itself doesn't have any room for him. You no, know? they don't. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. They have Zach Osborne, too. So. Man, they're stacked. Don't forget about Zachy Poo, third, third place. Well, that's where we're at now. Um, they have two guys. Um, they have uh, Bell and Basaglia. And Star has two guys. They have Webb and Jeremy Martin. Right. Um, and then KTM's kind of getting in on this. There's a Zach Bell's a younger brother named Chase, and the JDR team announced that they got him. He was hurt in race this year, yeah. but he's yeah. So everyone is reaching down and doing this. Um, it's crazy. Like it is the thing to do. Like because I think Geico right now, everybody's seeing what happened. They locked everyone out. They yeah. have yeah. the last like three years of talent. They have all those riders on their team. So yeah. how do you compete with that? Yeah, and obviously, uh, you know, Team Green was a powerhouse, and Mitch has uh, seen Cirillo. And that's looking good. But really, other than that, uh, Wilson, he actually lost Baggett, when you look at it that way. Um, they haven't had their traditional crazy fast dudes, you know? Um, well, there's a, no one – like, this is a, a huge one to me. And no one sees it from this angle. But Bogle was a team green guy. And they really couldn't offer him the same, we'll keep you for one more year as an amateur and guarantee you a few years as a pro – 
because Pro Circuit was full. Right. They, you know, they had guys like Rattray and Wilson, and they were locked in all them. And you could see they had Tickle locked in, and you see the tizzy they got in with that. They had to start a 450 team. Right. They had so many dudes locked in the contracts, they couldn't keep them. And not like Bogle's winning races right now, but if he were on Pro Circuit right now, you wouldn't be talking about how, how is Pro Circuit getting outmaneuvered and how are they not yeah. getting. You'd be like, hey, they have last year's Horizon Award winner. Right. He's a rookie. He's fast. Right, right. So just one guy like that really tips the balance. Ryan Villapoto was on Yamaha once, as was Michael Lessie. Yeah, oh. Yamaha. Well, no, Star Racing, they're stepping up. Now, they're, they're, the, now they're the team up. that's yeah. not doing anything is Suzuki. They're the ones that aren't. They used to really be good at that. Yep. Um, you know, that's where Dungey came from, Hepler, Millsaps. Uh-huh. Pastrana, you know, a lot of guys came through their ranks. Um, but right now, I think they're still somewhat in that reorganizational right, right. age. I, I, that, and that's what I don't like about the amateur racing. And I, and I can't blame anybody. I just don't like the entitlement that these, the parents and the kids go through when they're amateurs. And it carries on to being pros, you know. And so few of them make the adjustment. And, you know, even you can make a case that Bogle's having a trouble with some of the stuff that he's done. Uh, yep. As far as you know, I don't want to say temper tantrums, but for lack of a better word, that just comes yep. from being pampered and being yep. a kid and 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 being given given everything, including money, from a young age. You know, and it's amazing that seeing Cirillo, who we'll get to next, uh, has such a level head on him. You know, um, because these guys yeah. are just they're just more and more, like you said, going younger and locking them up and making them stars when they're not. Yeah, and it is. Um, I think the the problem comes when at the amateurs you can pretty much win and only have people say good. You know, whatever you do that might be shady off the track, no one's even paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, there just isn't a much of a spotlight. Right. So even when you have a bad moment, no one really notices. Now, when you go pro, first of all, the chances of you continuing to dominate are much more remote because now you're taking on what right. the last ten really fast kids from Loretta's instead of the one set of kids that's your age. Right. You know, like if you're you know, you're taking on Ken Roxon now or yeah. Tyler Rattray. Like, it's so much harder to win, obviously. Yeah. So, A, you got to deal with not winning. And then when you're not winning, you have to deal with everything that comes with that. Jerkies like us are going to write something bad about you. Um, someone on your team might be disappointed in you. Yeah. A sponsor might say you're not getting it done. Your trainer might say, well, it's not my fault. He's being lazy. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're dealing with negativity yeah. that you've never you've experienced. No, idea. no exactly. Yeah. And, and also, too, outside of Loretta's, and this is why Loretta's, I mean, Loretta's is the favorite amateur national championship. But outside of Loretta's, these races, uh, the Texas ones and the and the the World Mini and uh, Ponca's, I don't know what's going on with them anymore. But they're four laps, five laps, and you know because they have so many entries and they're trying to squeeze everybody in. You could be a dominant amateur racer and go to Loretta's and and do twenty minute motos in the heat, and maybe you're not that good at that kind of stuff, but you, you, you dominate everywhere else or you win everywhere else or do pretty well. Then you go to Loretta's and, yeah, you get like fourth or fifth. But you're really, tr- really, truly, you're not that good, you know, um, because you're used to these sprint races and amateur racing. Um, well, there's a, actually a bigger um, – there's something that messes that up even more. It's not okay. the format of the race. It's the format of amateur racing where you can duck and hide. Like, for example, right now, I just said Bichelia is the next guy, right? Right. But that might just be because Cincerulo wasn't big enough to ride a 250F yet. You get all these mixes and mashes where yeah. guys move to 450s earlier, 250s, or they race B, or they get jumped up to A, or they stay on minis. 
all around the same age. So you're not even necessarily racing the best of the best of your age until you turn pro. Like, eventually right. you'll all be in a life class. Yeah, everybody catches up eventually, right. Yeah, so it happens a lot. Like, um, you know, Nico Izzy was a bad dude as an amateur. But partly it was because, like, he was really cleaning up the last two years he was on 80s when Austin Stroop was out of there. He was already on the bigger bikes. and But no one remembers that. Yep. No one's yep. going through the birthdays and saying, yeah, wait, yeah. he's the same age as the dude who just won 250B and he's still on an 80? Yeah, good point. Right. It happens all the time. So, And I think St. Cyril is chomping at the bit because he used to race Bechelia, and he would beat those guys. I mean, it, they were battled. Don't get me wrong. He didn't blow them away, but he's got to be chomping at the bit seeing the success these guys are having and knowing he's well, still stuck in a mini-cycle. Yeah, let's, let's move on to him. Now, he... Yeah. He won two titles, and he's won a, a shit ton of titles there. But from people I talked to during the week, uh, is this his? Is this seeing Cirillo's most impressive Loretta's as far as the amount of beatdown? And again, we just finished. Telling, oh yeah, I mean, we yeah. just finished saying about how this can't all be equal. But this was maybe his right. his most impressive Loretta's. Yeah, it definitely was because almost no one has perfect weeks down there. The mm-hmm. event is kind of designed to. That's why they have a three-moto format, yep. and that's why they race on different days. And it so, always rains, usually, or whatever. It yeah, so you're going to have a race at 8 in the morning when it's cool, and then a race at 5 p.m. when it's hot and it's rough, and the next day it rains. And just, you know, six starts, you know, you're yep. bound to have bad luck. Right. You know, to have six good motos in a week. And even he wasn't immune to it, but this year he pulled every whole shot, led every lap. It was ridiculous. He even pulled a whole shot from the outside gate, which I don't know if I've ever seen happen. But then a lot of people are talking about, well, I mean, you don't think Mitch is building him the most hot-rotted 105 that's ever been on the face of the earth? Well, he's probably um, on the same bike James Stewart it, had, I imagine. Yeah, well, I'm actually going to ask those guys. Because you know what's funny? When you look at these amateur races, you're like, okay, the KX85 or 105 hasn't changed in like 15 years. So do their bikes actually get better? Like if you give Mitch the same mm-hmm. bike every year, can he always find something better? Or is it pretty much like this is all he can do? Right. I wonder that. Um, is his bike better than what Stewart was on 12 years ago? Right. Or, hey, it's the same basic bike. Um, so AC uh, next year will be on a 250F. He's a small kid still, but that's the plan. Well, he's not. I don't know. He's smaller. Like he said, he's pumped. He went to the doctor before the race, and they measured him, and he's now 5'6". So that's actually, hell, that's bigger than half the guys that are in the pro, pros, aren't they? Isn't it? Yeah. 5'6". Well, then why, what's the deal with him staying down uh, another year. What was the? I always thought it was a size issue. They were worried about. Yeah, him. I think he just just got there. You know, maybe right. when a year the year began and they set their plan for, maybe he was five four or five right. three at the time. Right, right. Um, I mean, right. Bell, Zach Bell's tiny. He can't be much bigger than. Right. I think they're just. Um, they just got a longer term. Everybody has different theories. Mm-hmm. You know, none other than Tony Alessi, the master of amateur racing, said the longer you can stay on minis, the better off you are. Um, I don't remember why or what the reasoning for that is, but that was always their plan. Like, he rode minis up and then raced, hey, one year. Right. And that's the plan that um, Sincere Little will be on. So, But, yeah, it was the most dominant year, but he also, and I'm not taking it away from him, he's unbelievable, but there was no competition really in his classes yeah. because most of the fast kids his age are on bigger bikes. There's a kid, Mark Worth, who's another Kawasaki guy who's good. He's like a year or two younger than mm-hmm. him. I mean, he did blow him away too, but it'll be a little more interesting Actually, he's going to race 250, 250F at the Monster Cup, and it's A and B. You know, it's right. pretty much all the fast big bike kids in Loretta's. Oh, so that'll be and, interesting, um, yeah. Yeah, and he told me, you know, I'm coming in there. I don't know what to expect. 
I, you know, I want to be a, I'm just going to try to think of myself as a top five guy, like an underdog. But once I turned the camera, the recorder off and started chatting with him, I could tell, like, he, right. Right. he expects to win whenever he races. Right. It's just, you know, it's a Ricky Carmichael, James Stewart, whatever. I think that's what makes him so dangerous. Um, obviously, he's got talent and he works hard and he's got all these tools and stuff. Mm-hmm. But what makes it even worse is that for everyone else, is that he can just follow the roadmap. Like, he is trained by Alden Baker. Yeah. He's already signed by Mitch. He lives in Florida and rides at Villapoto. Like, I'm not just saying that helps your speed. No, just think yeah. of the, it, the fortress of confidence he is building. <laughs> like Superman. Fortress of, this fortress of solitude. Superman. Yeah. yeah. But no, I just mean mentally. Yeah, like, yeah. I have Alden Baker as my trainer, and I'm on Team Green. How am I not going to kick ass? Right, exactly. Um, so you've seen all these dudes. How long have you been going to Loretta's for? It's my 10th year. Okay, so you've seen a lot of dudes on minibikes go really fast at that track. Yep. What do you think of AC's performance? Where does that rank? Is it- this was the first year that I really was really kind of blown away by it. I did miss Stewart. I didn't see Stewart on a minibike. Uh-huh. Um, Which Davey Coons, Car- Davey says yeah. is might, might be the most impressive thing on an 80 he's ever seen. Yeah, and without even seeing it, I probably agree, because it's still James freaking Stewart. Right. Like, he's pretty much the most impressive thing you've ever seen in a motorcycle, no matter what. No matter, no matter where he is in the Nationals this year. Right. You know, I'm not surprised. But um, the way he had that thing wound out, I mean, I, I don't know. You'd swear he had that thing at 18,000 RPM. Like, it was <laughs> right. just right. ridiculous. Um, but he has been fallible there. I mean, when Alessi was there, everybody wanted to see Alessi lose. For various <laughs> reasons, I don't even need to get into. You just know reasons. how they are. Right, right. Everyone would see him lose, and he would never lose. Like yeah. you wanted to see them proven wrong. You wanted it. Everyone wanted to see their program fail. People didn't like Tony. They didn't like the way they went about it. They claimed that they cheated or bent the rules or whatever. Right. But the dude would always win, one moto after moto, and then finally Villapoto started getting fast, and then everybody was a Villapoto fan, and no matter what unless he would figure out a way to win. To me, that was the most impressive because um, you wanted to see him lose so bad. I'm not I'm saying me. It was like it was like pro wrestling when the Alessis were there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they were the bad guys. Right. And damn it all if he wouldn't win every time. Tony, and, comes, Tony comes out with a folding chair and nails Villapoto's dad in the back. Well, the stories are just – Right. The stories between him – I mean, you, know, you could talk to Millsaps and Villapoto about it. I mean, the stories are outrageous. Yeah. And I don't even know how true they are. You know, they just – again, the – a week at camp there, things was, circulate. Was there, a, was there a lot of time? But I've up? seen Cincerillo have problems, get beat, have yeah. bad luck, yeah. you know, barely pull out a title or not. Not Michael Lessie, though. He friggin' was a machine. Just a machine. Just a title-winning machine. Yes. Uh, yeah. What about protests and rumors and all that? Was that all going on behind the scenes? Yeah, there, was, uh, there, there were some issues. Um, there were some issues, actually, with Webb. Um, I don't know. It's... The, the, he had a first I heard someone said he had a works front tire uh, in the stock class but the rules in the stock class say you can change tires mm-hmm. it doesn't say you can't run works tires so is that maybe the intent of a stock class no yeah. but it wasn't illegal yeah. and I don't think that one ever got to a full protest that was just kind of the word I heard around the ranch but he also got protested for a muffler you can change mufflers in that class because you know if you get your stock muffler bashed you're yeah. not going to pass sound tests, so. Right. But you're not supposed to run like a full-on TI system, I guess. 
which is what he did, but technically the rule just says you can change him up. So I don't really know. I mean, this oh, stuff just yeah. goes on. Right. He didn't get his title taken away. And I even talked to the KTM dudes um, who were involved in the protest, and they said, no, the intent isn't really ever to take the title away from these guys. It's just we found a gray area in the rule book, and if we go through this process, that hole will get sealed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, learn, they live and learn as they go on. Right. Yeah, so that's what a lot of it was. Um, again, nothing like the days of the Alessis were there. There was one year where I think Adam Chatfield claimed the Alessis bike and protested them, and the rumor was Team Green said, we'll give you a ride if you protest so Villapoto can win. Like, it's just there's nothing gnarly yeah. like that anymore. When those guys were there, it was ten it's, times gnarlier. Um, give, me the, uh, give me the most underrated guy. Uh, somebody you'd never heard of or barely heard of yeah. who really impressed you. Uh, yeah, well, that's how this race can change your life. So there's a kid named Shane McElrath who I've never heard of. Um, I, how do you spell that last lives, name? Because I think I've seen his name in the on the. It's, it's you'd swear it said McElrath because it's that's MC, it. not yeah. Mac, right. but it said McElrath. Um, so I guess he lives down at Club MX, you know, and I think he's 17 now. Never really got to ride and stuff full time mm-hmm. until he went down there. Yeah, and. Um, Brayton's down there. I mean, you really can't get a better mentor. Well, I was going to go with Zach Osborne, ex-brand goggles, Zach Osborne. But that's I mean, Brayton, I mean, that's pretty much like Rob McCarmichael. Right, right. Um, so he was a totally different guy. Like, he won his first moto. Webb was, got class? a bad start. This is B? This is, oh, this is B class? Yeah, he was right yeah. in that B. So he was right there. He was able to battle with Webb and Bichelle. He didn't beat him. I think he got four seconds and two firsts in his motos. So he might have been a hair off, but those dudes are... Factory guys. This guy said he literally bought two bikes. Like I'm going to Loretta's. I better go buy two Hondas and put like an exhaust on it. Like oh really? He oh, was not. Wow. He was not known at all. But he said as soon as he won that first moto of the week on like Tuesday, he had people talking to him. And then by the end of the week, when he kept it up and ended up with two seconds in his classes, even though he didn't beat those guys, yeah, he showed he could run with them and with zero support, and no one even knew who he was. Um. His life, I guarantee you, has totally changed based on that week, and it really does uh-huh. work like that quite often. I mean, and, and just because you hadn't heard of him, but uh, did you get that sense from a lot of the OEM guys and team guys? They're like, "Who is this dude?" Yeah, and yeah. I got the sense from him too. Like he said, how he couldn't, but like people that he didn't even know were coming up to him, right? Like all week, like, "Hey, good job," or "Hey, can we help you out?" And he's like, "Who? What the hell is going on?" Right. Now, um, um, you said he lives – where is he from? Or is he from Virginia or, or Carolina? Uh, he's from North Carolina. Oh, a okay. lot of guys come from North Carolina. I don't know if they stick around. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's from North Carolina. So is Cooper Webb. But he basically just is a – to me, if there's one thing that I think is sad about amateur motocross, I have no problem with Carmichael coming in there and the early factory rides and stuff. But what is a shame is that um, – West Kane doesn't, doesn't, doesn't announce – and West Kane is announced very disappointed, uh, and he made the transition. Prove me wrong. He showed you. He showed you. He showed me. <laughs> to me, the one disappointment is when kids kind of come out of the woodwork. Right. A couple of years ago, a kid named Dakota Alex did, and he was from Vermont. And I'm like, sweet. There we go. There's a dude. That proves it still can be done. You don't have to be homeschooled, living yeah. in MTF, right. riding and training full-time from age 12. There's still room mm-hmm. for someone to make a name for them. And they're like, nah. It says he's from Vermont. He lives at MTF. And I'm like, ah. Oh, bummer. And then this McElrath guy, they're like, yeah, he just, I'm like, what's the difference this year on the podium? And he's like, well, I've been living at Club MX. And I'm like, ah. Oh. So that's wah, wah, wah. the disappointment part. Like, right. you have to completely swing for the fences and go for it, or it will not work. The it day, can't work any other way. The days of a young Tim Ferry coming out of West Palm Beach 
graduating high school. I, mean, I think he went. I don't think he graduated, but he dropped out of grade eleven or whatever, and yeah. then going winning seven Loretta titles and going into a into the pro ranks as a total privateer are over. Yeah. Yeah, and I know people are going to say, well, you just said Ferry didn't finish high school. But the point is, like, well, he did. He went when he was a freshman, yeah. he probably went to high school. No, These he, dudes, I, I was pretty much cashed out by the time you're 13. I was talking to Timmy. I was watching an old race. I was watching uh, Tampa 92, and yeah. he was in, he rode both classes. And he goes, dude, I almost didn't race that night because I had to come home. I went to school on Friday, and then I had to go to the track and sign up. And he's like, I almost didn't get to okay. race that race because I was at school all day, and I had to stay late. Those, those, day, those days are over. No, because they're not going to school at all when they're racing at Loretta's, let alone <laughs> right. pro Supercross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, That's it, what the the innocence is gone, no doubt. But it, well, it, I yeah. just think it's um, you know, we can get on the riders' case for you know, they have no other skills. What happens if it doesn't work, mm-hmm. or they don't socially they don't understand? But they have no choice. Like you're kidding yourself if you really think yeah. that you yeah. cannot do it that way and succeed. Yeah, you're going you're all in. Yeah. Buster, boom, you're all in. You have to be all in. You have to be all in. Right. And it's no different than there's a ton of other sports. that are. There are very few sports that aren't like that. You know, football and baseball and basketball are well integrated into the school program, and it kind of yeah. works. But I guarantee you, watch the Olympics this week. I guarantee you that's the story of pretty much everyone there. Don't if you f- want to be an Olympian, you're going all in at age 8, and 90% of the time you're even going to make it. Don't you feel, though, like with the Olympians, with some of these – Sports, triple jump, and fencing, <laughs> and yeah. and whatever else. Don't you feel like you could probably make the Olympic team if you devoted yourself to some obscure sport long enough and hard enough? Well, isn't it ironic that that is the original idea of the Olympics, right? They were supposed to be amateurs. It was supposed yeah. to be like that, right? Right, right? It was supposed to be celebrating regular people. Um, well, and that's technically what amateur motocross was, but it's just, just the way, it, okay, maybe there's a few sports left. Yeah. But, well, you used to have you know, to do I it. think Treadwell has a regular job. I mean, it does happen at some – there are some events at Loretta's where the people do work. But There's also – in the Olympics, they used to compete in the nude. Everybody was in the nude in the very first ones. Whoa. So that's changed too. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Did that, I don't know if they ever had, did that in motocross. Did Loretta's ever like that? So, no, I don't think – I don't even know if Loretta herself was ever like that. Uh, what about the beer tent and the nightly activities? What 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 went on? How was that? That's probably the funnest part of the whole week. Yeah, it is. Um, that was where we really missed West Kane because I had to work. We we could work in shifts when we had four announcers, two and two. Mm-hmm. And um, so there would be like a night where, hey, I'm not coming until nine in the morning. All the way, I'm going to sleep all the way until eight thirty. <laughs> um, but this year it was get up at five forty-five because you got to be there by seven, ready everything set up and ready to go what, at seven. What starts so, at seven? Practice. Yeah, the moto start at seven thirty. And so as the announcer, you can't really roll up at 729. You know, you need to make sure that you, don't get, you need to wake everybody up. Hold huh? on a second. You don't get practice on the morning? Nope. You practice on Monday, and you get a parade lap for every other moto. That's it. That's it. So that's the, I'm telling you, it's the, the event is unique in so many ways, and you wouldn't think that's a big difference. But you're damn right it is. What other motocross race do you not practice the morning of? Well, I knew that it was limited and all that, but I didn't understand that there wasn't like – an open practice in the morning nope. for, you know, a little bit, nothing. Nope. You've got to remember, you've got to watch other motos or remember what your bike was doing in your previous moto and use the sight lap to its fullest. You do not have practices Monday only. And then also once the motos too, start, 
Loretta's, no is, Loretta's is famous for running on time. So if that first moto is dropping at 7.30 in the morning and you're supposed to be on your game at 7.30, ready to aggro, and that's gnarly. Mm-hmm. That's gnarly. But that's what I mean. And then, yeah. you know, you could have two motos in a day or you could have a day off. You could have motos at five. You know, there's just so many variables. Right. And that's why they, they do it that way on purpose because if you really want to prove who's got it. Yeah. There's so many weird things that it's no, except for probably right. Tony Alessi. No one is able to figure out the formula <laughs> perfect, well, except for the Alessis. Tony is the one who told Alan Brown about having kids in, 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 in January so that their birthday, or was it the other way around, yeah. having kids in December, so that they're, they're older, come Loretta's. No, January. Okay, yeah, um, come Loretta's. Yep. They're older. Yeah, because the way it works is in the youth racing, um, you, in the minibike classes, your age for the season is your age as of January 1. Right. So the ideal thing, for example, would be 13 on January 1st and then turn 14 on January 2nd. So you're a 14-year-old all year, but you're considered 13 yeah. from the racing which, perspective. Which is a big deal in growth and muscles and height and weight and all that. One whole year. Yeah, yeah. one whole yeah. year is massive. Right. Um, Not so much see, for it, us, but. <laughs> no, no, at this point you're hoping to be the opposite. But I'm telling you, it's too bad the reputation is what it is because really if anyone should run an MTF type thing, right. it should be Tony because they – had it figured out better than anyone I know. And the proof to me is in the fact that he won 11 titles there and hasn't won any as a pro. Yeah. Clearly Mike's a good rider, no doubt about it. Yeah. But they were able to have results probably beyond his talent level because they had the program figured out. Has to be a factor. Has to be. Has to be. <laughs> exactly. So How not- could he win 11 titles? How could he win as many titles as Stewart? Otherwise. Right. No, you're He's right. Clearly, yeah. I hate to say, not as talented as Stewart. He just isn't. Right. Um, yeah, peaking at the same t- peaking at the right time, eating at the right time, training, everything. Yep. The- yeah. I mean, it might come down to everyone's a kid down there, and I'm really genuinely surprised when you talk to most of these riders how much they're just kids having fun. Right. They probably didn't have any. Right. Um, so, beer tent, nothing, nothing spectacular, nothing worth reporting. Uh, the most fun I had uh, all week, and uh, what the hell, we're going to say it in the podcast, why not? Um, we were at Kawasaki had... Um, we were just we're just trying to scrounge food from wherever we can. Oh, um, sounds familiar. I don't know. What, yeah, right. <laughs> it's one of the things I specialize in. So Kevin Kelly and I are like, hey, let's go over to Team Green and see if they got any sandwiches or something left over from lunch or something. So they go there and they have a full on like party going. They had a parents' night, like parents of the Team Green riders only hangout. Oh, I mean that doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, yeah. So you've got Reed Nordine working as a bartender. Like, nice, nice. Just the dude who runs, like he is now yeah. running all Kawasaki racing. He is yeah. Fahey, who is the team manager. He's his boss. Yeah. Right? Isn't yeah. that how it works? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's bartender. I mean, it's just a good time. So uh, the, the drinks are pretty stiff. And it's actually what's really good about it is for a guy in my position, I get to meet a lot of the parents. Right. You know, uh, get to get to know them, which obviously comes in handy down the road when – you're kind of working through them as the pseudo agents and managers that they are going to have to become when they've got 16 year old pros. Um, so I don't know how we get off track. Matt Tedder standing over on the other side of the tent, and Kevin says to his girlfriend, "You better not make eye contact with, eye contact with that man because he can impregnate people from across the room. That is his specialty. <laughs> Producing motocross racers is Matt Tedder's specialty. Yes, yes. There's tons of, and then we started joking about that's why." Cowie's market share is so big because there's just so many Tedders out there and they all ride Kawasaki's. So, um, 
man, I hope people find the humor in this. Eventually, it got so out of hand how we were making making jokes about Matt Tedder's potency to build motocross racers that we it's going to get to the point where they could use him as the T-shirt cannon with the Monster Girls at Anaheim. And we laughed so hard. My at like my left ab still hurts, and this was on like Wednesday. Right. It got to that point, <laughs> and there's Matt standing over there, not even knowing that we're talking about anything. Yeah, not yeah. You guys just went just went with it. You got Lurch and two Monster Girls. All right, you guys want it up here? You got to <laughs> cheer for it. <laughs> Who wants Who a Tedder? Let's get the cannon out. <laughs> um, and, and Tedder uh, was in Semex class, very Semex. Yeah, but yeah. he'd even get. I mean, he's fifty three. Yeah. Um, which that's a it starts going the other direction. Like fifty three versus fifty is a big disadvantage. So I said him. He got on the podium one of his motos, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "How bad are you going to pol- politician to get a fifty five plus class here?" And he's like, "I've been sending you gifts every week. Why don't you do something for me?" Yeah. Nice. He's a good guy. Right. Right. Um, I couldn't make these jokes and say it on the air if I didn't figure he's cool. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Right. Um, and that's where you have this. Um, you have this over me as a as a pro MX reporter. Um, you know, I got you into a lot of the trucks and stuff and all that years oh, ago. Yeah, but, but but the the amateur kids and, and parents are you, that's up that's right in your specialty and it's not mine. You know what though? It's a, a it you it's like a pasta strainer. You barely can hold on to any of it. They go through such changes. Yeah. Um, yeah. That it, it it's like eight out of ten of the relationships you have just completely disintegrate. <laughs> um, the, the transition is just so big. And like right. we said, that weirdo yeah. thing where you, um, you know, Dean Wilson and I used to joke around a lot at Loretta's and he was really cool. And then I kind of was really harsh on him when he blew Freestone that one year. Yeah. And then I don't even, I'm still not sure if we're even cool or no, it's been he, like two years to get, I think he's cool now, but yeah. it's like, it was two years of like that yeah. ruined me with him. Yeah. For a while. You're right. There was tension. So that's, what I'm saying that weird, um, transition where it isn't just Dean, this is all of them. Like something bad is going to happen. And they're point. not used to it, and yeah. then it's game on. Right, right. Um, so, okay, uh, last question, or one of the last questions. Who's the next? Obviously, seeing Sorello, but who's coming up? Who, who, who's the next guy? Now, we had a conference call this morning, uh, Racer X, for the next issue. Davey mentioned a few guys that I already forgot their names, but who's, <laughs> who's do you see as, as being a really uh, an up-and-coming kid? I mean, obviously, it's super hard to tell at this age, but is there another Cian Cirillo or another Carmichael or Stewart coming? I think the Cian Cirillo, Carmichael, Stewart thing is, um, that's really rare. Um, yep. So I, I don't want to go to that level. The, the biggest trend, this is bizarre, the 50cc Cobra classes for the last couple of years yep. have been dominated exclusively by kids from Bakersfield, California. <laughs> that's what they like a high desert right. town, yeah. and they're like all related, they're like all cousins, they dominate, then the next year another one comes. I don't even know. Bakersfield. <laughs> Bakersfield. Have, have you, you been to Bakersfield? Oh, I, I have. Like nothing there. I've been to Bakersfield. Yeah, yeah. If you look up Crap Hole, you'll have a picture Are of Bakersfield. Are you serious? Yeah, it's a, it's a desert town. It's in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of California. Hot as balls. There ain't much there. There is a big, giant – I went riding at Bakersfield. Um, mm-hmm. There's a big, giant sand pit outside of town somewhere, and you just ride up around and up and down the sand pit, um, gravel sand pit. That's all I remember from Bakersfield. Well, that really tells the story even more then. This is not Murrieta or Corona in that right. case. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it makes it even more bizarre so, than that. These kids happening. are, 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 are going to be it, or they're, they're looking really good. Well, it leads to another interesting question. I think this is the most interesting one that comes out of this sport. 
very rarely does anyone you would think the most obvious thing is just sign the 50cc champ to a 10-year deal right right but more often than not it doesn't work that way like it's weird the majority of kids really i've heard it's because you know they don't have years so you got to wait till they're on 65 so they have a clutch and things change or maybe they just happen to mature you know maybe he's got the can I say these words? The body of a seven-year-old, even though he's five, and you know that all what's equals up, out. Cre- what's up, creepy? I don't know. Like I didn't know any way to say it. He matured physically. Right. I don't know. It right. isn't a. There is. There isn't a direct line. There's no line at all. Like very rarely does the kid who dominates every year hear the same thing. Like look at this guy. You can tell he's already standing up. He's already wide open. He's got it. And then you. Right. Three or four years later, like what happened to him? And you see him getting fourteenth in, in the eighty-fives, and you're right. like, what happened? Right. So there is not a direct thing, but yeah, didn't didn't heck, Kyle, one of these Bakersfield's kid kids got to get it? Didn't Kyle Partridge beat James on a on a PW or something? Well, I've heard in the James James is one of the few. You know, I heard yeah when he was five, seven year olds could beat him, but uh, yeah, he pretty much was unbeatable when it was evened up. Yeah, so, so um, we'll see. I mean, there were some fast dudes. The, the the biggest star right now is this kid named Ryder D. Francesco who won the four to six class when he was. Um, five and now he's one when he's six but because of that january first thing he could race it and win again next year he could defend the title go for a repeat in the youngest class there think of how gnarly that is that's a cool name too well it's no joke like he's from bakersfield they all yeah. know do you remember sherry cruz who used to race wmx and yeah who, who, dated travis for a while yeah who doesn't i don't know they're related to her they're all related to each other like these people know motocross like i think even like seeing Cerullo, like he was not from a motocross family, right? I don't know, yeah. I um, believe, like, I don't think his dad raised. So even they, he won at a young age, but even they were still, had a bit of a learning curve. What a, I swear a, it's like in Bakersfield, they are. That's a cool name, too. Ryder Francesco. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That sounds yeah. cool. Is it with a small I? R-R-Y-D-E-R. R-Y. No, but with a, the, and this, the last name is D, small I? Yeah, Capital, D-I, Apple. yep. That's a, um, that's a sweet name. But then the, the previous star before him was named Styles with a Z. Styles <laughs> Robertson. Same thing. Bakersfield <laughs> really? dominated. But Team Green picked him up, but he kind of, again, 65 this yeah. year was like, okay. He was getting like fourth and fifth. So His, his balls didn't you know, drop in time or something. <laughs> it's, I think at that age, it's just too weird. Uh, it's now too you, weird. You yourself, uh, you announce all week, every day. Uh, yeah, 99 motos. You do the podium stuff? Yep. Oh, yeah. Wow, how do you? Where does it? I mean, you've announced everything now at this point. Uh, where do, do you get paid any extra, or is that just a, a insert joke here? Yeah, insert joke. Okay, here. but no. So you get paid nothing extra. But how gnarly is that for you as an announcer? It has to be like I mean, there's there isn't always battles going on. Uh, so what are you doing? Is is it is it one of your gnarliest jobs of the year? It is by far one of the gnarliest jobs of the year, there's no doubt. And yeah. back in the days when I was a little bit more burning the candle on both ends and beer tenting it every night, yeah. like it was, there were moments where you're on the podium and you're trying to remember like three names of random dudes you've not heard of 10 minutes earlier. Yeah. And it's like all you've got. Like I feel like I was like trying to get into college again, like taking the SATs and you're pounding Red Bulls and you're pounding Gatorade to try to get rid of the hangover cause you, and you slept two hours for the last five days. Right. And you've got to be as mentally sharp as ever because you're on stage. And this is the one, this could be the one time ever that these guys get to be on a podium. Yeah. Like, don't screw up their moment. <laughs> right, um, right. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, trust me, that runs through my mind. Like, 
if you flub up Blake Baggett and Justin Barsha next weekend on the podium and flip up, who cares? They're going to be there the next week. Yeah. But you don't want some kid. Styles, all he did was get third in a 65 moto once. Yeah. Styles Robinson you, might never come back. I know. So hopefully I got it right when he was there. Um, but the point is, it is gnarly, no doubt. But what makes it doable is that it's such a long week. It's a totally different style. Like it's 50% of the announcing is Kevin Kelly and I making fun of things, making jokes, and not being serious at all, which I would never do at any other race. And the most amazing thing is, as you know from doing this podcast and your show, usually when you do stuff like that, half the people don't get it, yeah. and you've got to deal with. Right. We never, ever, ever have people complain. Ten years of this, yeah, and that's people surprising. just always saying, right. you guys are hilarious, and they, they all point out different, like we'll have a hundred ridiculous things we'll say all day. Right, right. And right. it'll be, I like when you said this, and the next guy's like, I like when you said this. And I, I guess because it's such long days that that works, yeah. and that's what makes it worth doing. If we, could, if we had to be dead serious and call every moto like it was oh, so yeah. a okay. pro-national, right. I couldn't do it. So, yeah, you're not, at some point, you're not even paying attention to the moto. Yeah, because some of the motos, like you said, are duds. You know, we'll just keep giving you the top ten. Nothing's yeah. get, nothing changes. You know, we start making fun of names and doing impressions. And, I mean, you can always find jokes about, you know, what are you putting on the pit board for a five-year-old rider who clearly hasn't even learned to read yet. Yeah. And <laughs> just, I mean, it right. just goes on. I, I, and, and we make ourselves laugh, and that's what makes the week yeah. uh, handleable. I can see that. That's, that. That does sound fun, actually. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Hey, one other beer tent story I just remembered. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it wouldn't be an amateur national if, first of all, Dirt Shark, Ash Hodges, his younger brother, won a C title. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But um, one, the only night I did go out, there was Dirt Shark, Ash, looking to get into fights nonstop. Like, oh, there you gotta go break him up. He's trying to fight somebody. Oh, he's trying to break, fight somebody again. Oh. oh, there he is getting in somebody's face. I know, I really knew nothing about the guy. But I feel like I got a little perspective there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was Dirt Shark uh, camera in, in in effect there? I didn't see him doing it. Um, uh, maybe he did. Yeah. I don't know. It's on a monster event. Maybe oh, he's not it's allowed. a Red Bull. Yeah, it's a Red Bull event. Probably wouldn't yeah. be allowed. Um, but I'll give you an example. We his brother's name is Axel. Mm-hmm. So in the first moto, we we're like, we started singing Axel S theme song from mm-hmm. from um, Beverly Hills Cop, and then by the second moto, someone had downloaded the song. Then we just played it during the moto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's the most goofy, like, whatever Absolutely. he did. So then when he yeah. won the title, yeah, he rolls up on stage, and instead of, like, you know, like a Supercross would be, yeah. you know, from Albuquerque, New Mexico, Ivan Tedesco, instead it's <laughs> that lame, weirdo synthesizer song. Uh, uh, Herbie Hancock. I think it's not, even though you would think it is. No, I, I think I, it, somebody said who. It's not? I don't know, maybe it is. Yeah, maybe it is. I think, I think it's called Axel F by Herbie Hancock. Yeah. Well, that's what makes it so great. The song, the name of the song is even, it's not just the song they played for Axel F in the movie. The song is called Axel. Um, um, so everyone thought it was funny. Everyone thought it was cool. That's kind of the atmosphere there. But Dirt Shark himself said, next time, why don't you play Axel Rose, Welcome to the Jungle? And we're like, no, that's not the point. Like, <laughs> like the point is the ridiculousness of this song, not... Let's yeah. play some badass theme song. Like, that's yeah. not what we're going for here. Right, right. And actually, uh, here it is. Yeah, but 
not the real. That's, that's like an orc version. you got to find the real one. That, that actually sounds more dramatic and epic than yeah. one in the movie. Yeah, yeah. you're right. That's, uh, oh, yeah, it's a remix. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. This is it. Yeah. It's so crappy 80s synthesizer. <laughs> I love the fact that somebody found this for you, though. That's awesome. That's what we do down there. <laughs> Good job. Listen to this. Playing this during a moto. Right, right, that's what I'm saying. Like, what if you're just a spectator and you're just like, what is going on? But people loved it. We were at the beer tent, and I guess BTO sponsors them, and two BTO guys come up to me, and they're like, dude, when you did Axel Epstein, that was freaking hilarious. That's hilarious. What what did uh, what did Dirt Shark want to fight about? Just the quality of his videos? Yeah, I have no idea. I, I don't know. I just saw uh, Ash is over there looking to fight, and they're you, holding the back. You want to talk about people who take themselves too seriously. Right there. Right there. I, I, didn't, I stood... I, I was I was total Switzerland on his on the subject of him, but right. now that I've seen some things, I'm starting to wonder. Right. Uh, well, hey, thanks for doing the uh, BTOsports.com uh, Racer X podcast, Loretta Lynn's wrap up. You know, Davey, you know that Great Western Bank team we did uh, show we did. Well, Davey said, "Hey, if you want to do a podcast about Loretta Lynn's, uh, I'm in." And then I said, "Okay, we'll do it." And then he, in another phone conversation last week, he said, "Hey, if you want to do that, Loretta's, let me know." And I'm like, yeah, 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 let's do it. So um, this could be the last one podcast we ever do because we're not getting Davey to do it. I have a feeling he'll be able to move on. Do you think he even knows this will go up? <laughs> Does he know we do podcasts? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, hey, thanks for doing it, bud. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you this weekend in Southwick, man. Oh, another race. Great. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. Just well, You got four more and then you're done. I, you know, Loretta's does kind of work like that. Like, when you can get through that monster, right. then you're like, it's all cruising, cruise control from here. Well, and look at you this way. You had X Games for two, three years before, and then straight to Loretta's, and then you had that, yeah. like, you know, so you, at least you got rid of X Games. Yeah, I used to have it was an 18-day trip or something like that, right, right. in the middle of the summer. So, yeah. And you're playing Axel F. How could you not, how could you not get pumped? <laughs> I, love, I love the fact that you guys did that. That's pretty cool. Um, I'm just I'm just telling you, you need to experience it. This is the type of stuff that goes on, and for some reason, people like it for once. They seem to get it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very surprised you don't get complaints about my little Johnny. You guys made fun of my little Johnny's last name or whatever, because parents take this stuff way too seriously. I think, and this is, this is going to sound a little egotistical, I think they're pumped that, hey, he's the guy that does TV for the Nationals, and he's talking about us, and they're poking a little fun at us, but, you know, you know, he's talking about it. I think they think that that's they're at Loretta's and they're getting talked about. I think that that to them that's a pretty big deal. That's what it is, yeah. Or or, or they're just not complaining to the right people, and we just don't hear it. Yeah, but we never hear complaints. <laughs> All right, Axel left's yeah. over. So's this podcast. All right, see you, Southwick. See you, bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Steve Mathis Show. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to find the more than 200 episode archive or get the Pulp MX app for your iPhone for the complete Pulp MX fix.